Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Dude, I know you can get those type of videos on your phone. Totally. I don't know what I did before this. Yeah, it's better hope your wife never finds out. It's not a big deal. Besides, she's been kind of not fun lately. Look, she's not going to find out. It doesn't matter as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Are you serious? God never said that. Sorry, is this hurting you? (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God just a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let's give him some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. My heart is yours. Amen. Hallelujah. We surrender to him. Amen. Today we're continuing God Never Said That, part three. The subject today, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we do. As Christians, I guess the question is, does it really matter what we do? Does it matter what we do? It matters what we do. For the past couple of weeks, we've been in this series called God Never Said That. Week one, God wants you happy, wrong. He wants you holy. Week two, God won't give you more than you can handle, wrong. (laughs) In this world, there will be troubles, right? Question is, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Hopefully it ain't Ghostbusters, right? Amen. Praise God. But it's Jesus. Jesus, that's who we're going to call. But today we are going to focus on it. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, but next week I encourage you to be here as we challenge ourselves to consider this statement. It does not matter what you believe. It does not matter what you believe. As long as I go to church... As long as I say my prayer three times a day, or what about other types of faith? They all will get me in, right? They all get me there, right? It doesn't matter what I believe. This is going to be good and you don't want to miss it. But today, but today, we're going to talk about it doesn't matter what you do. And it's a heavy topic, so... To start off, let's have a little bit of fun, all right? Because we're going to be talking about sin today. And nobody wants to talk about sin. Nobody want to hear about sin. We get a little country right now, all right? But look around. Look around. Find one person. That one person said it beside you, behind you, wherever. Come on, y'all. Look up. Come on. Find a person, all right? Now, on a count of three... I want you to point your finger at them and call them a sinner. Come on, come on, come on. Sinner, sinner, sinner. No pointing, no pointing, sinner. And that's kind of awkward, isn't it? (laughs) That's kind of awkward. Just to point at... (laughs) But just to point at someone and say you're the biggest sinner because in reality... There is something the Bible calls an unpardonable sin. In culture today, people could argue the unpardonable cultural sin is to call someone a sinner. 
In culture today, it's totally unacceptable to say what anyone else does is a sin. Which leads us to the culture misbelief I want to talk about today. You will hear it all the time. Maybe you've seen it, said it, or believed it, that it and this is this. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. Doesn't matter what I do. It's not your business, right? Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. God never said that. He never said it. Today, I want to dive into the reality of what Scripture teaches us about our behavior. Now, to walk into a very serious subject, I want to reflect a little bit. If you think back to the time when Jesus lived, what do you think was the biggest cultural value? It's totally up for debate, and I could necessarily prove it, but I couldn't necessarily prove it, but this is what I can make a very strong argument, that the biggest culture value during the time of the life of Jesus was justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You do something wrong, you deserve to be penalized. If I ask the same question today, what is the biggest culture value of our world today, you can make an argument that the biggest culture value might be tolerance, right? I mean tolerance. We got to accept everything. Whether the Bible talks against it or not or says specific scripture against it, we just accept everything as okay. That's a pretty compelling argument, isn't it? What's interesting about it even the definition of tolerance has massively changed over the past decade or so. Tolerance used to mean that all people have equal value. In other words, we're going to value people. Today, though, tolerance has evolved to mean all ideas and all behavior have equal value. Even the definition of tolerance has changed. So much so in our culture that it is wrong and unacceptable to ever say that behavior is wrong. Oh, it's getting quiet. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's speaking, yeah. That it's sinful. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. In fact, culturally, we've watered down and sanitized even what others otherwise would be sinful terms and given them more acceptable phrases to help us feel better. Even in the church. Even in the church. So put your seatbelts on. Let's get ready to roll. But we, we now start to justify our sins, don't we? We've even said foolish things to cover it up in our own mind because our culture has embraced it. For example, sex sin. From porn, we call it adult entertainment. Oh, yeah, y'all been there? No, no, I don't want to see no hands, all right. You know, little pink moose or, you know, in Miami when I was stationed there, they had to call the pink, I can't say the other word, house, amen, you know. From adultery 
for adultery, we now just call it an affair at the office. Or just looking around on Facebook. Premarital sex. Guilty. We call it fooling around or just hooking up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What else? From just curious with drugs to filling out our taxes right is just money. We was having a conversation with my dad when my oldest brother was in town a couple of months ago. And, um, and I was little. I didn't realize this. He shared, a, he shared about my oldest brother found the tax forms. And, and my oldest brother asked, Dad, who is this brother? You know, you know who, who is that? My dad had included, oh, I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't know if the internal revenue is listed, but that was years ago, all right. That's when we lived in Lincoln County, all right. Them Lincoln County folks, all right. It's just money. To what we watch on TV, it's just a movie. Man, I'm hooked on how to get away from murder, but I'm like, some of the things they show on hooked, uh, uh, how to get away with murder is just, wow, man. I'm like, that's some freaking stuff. But let me share this scripture with you coming out of 2 Timothy 4 and 3. Let's look at this scripture. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who would tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Wow. And I truly believe that we are living in a time where people won't, the King James Version says, will not endure sound doctrine. They won't endure it. They want to go to a place that's going to, you know, my itching ears, sin is telling me it's okay, so I'm going to, Put my message to where, yeah, I'm going to agree with your little sin that's going on. Been there, done that, got it, you know. But sin is real. Sin is real. Serious earthly consequences, possibly damning eternal consequences. So let's begin. If you're taking notes, here are the three things that can help you help us understand this. The cultural misbeliefs about sin is what we're going to be talking about today. And number one is, I'm not a bad person. You know, come on, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Got my little gray going on. Got my little twill jacket on. Now, my sister is sitting here on the front row. Now, in my family, I was the Joseph. Yeah, I was the Joseph in the family, you know. They had a little saying, uh, you know, we grew up on a farm, you know, and a I don't know if y'all have lived on a farm, but, you know, feeding the hogs, the cows at 530 in the morning, gathering the eggs and all this stuff, cutting wood, all that stuff. But apparently my brothers had other ideas about me. They called me God because apparently I was the good one, <laughs> you know. You know, they, they used to get mad and say, won't you, mom and dad, won't y'all make James do something, you know. So I wasn't a bad person. Lie. I still had sin in my life. I still had sin in my life. I, 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 I had some things going on, you know, teenage, those youthful lusts, you know, the youthful lusts that come on with the hormones. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I still had that stuff in my life. So I, I put on a show now, but I learned I didn't want to get a whooping, so I made sure I did the right thing in front of my parents. That was the, that was the reason why they thought I was good. 
But 1 John 1, 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yeah, if we say we don't have sin, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's easy when we look at others, right? God, those sinners. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It's easy to look when somebody's sharing their testimony about where they've been from. It's easy to say, oh yeah, you a sinner. Uh-huh. Call you a little whore, call you a little prostitute, call you all this. Yeah, I see your sin. Yeah, I, I see you. Yeah, you are you you were doing the drugs. It's, it, it comforts us. It's something about us. It, it comforts us in the midst of our sin when we see somebody else's sin. Liar. You stole. You lust. Oh, yeah, I lusted. I lusted. I'm just going to be, I'm keeping it 100. I said earlier, and I think, because, you know, in, our, in my culture, I got to go. <laughs> in my culture, said, you know, once you get black, you don't go back. All right, you know, something, you know, you know, so once I had it, once I had it, that sin nature in me now. Come on, let's keep, let's keep it 100, right? Once you got a little taste of that thing, once you got, once you got, you know what? Let me know. I ain't gonna go there. All right, let me. All right, but once you got it, it, it but, but that's been going on, Jason, since the beginning. It's been going on since the beginning. Y'all want me to prove it? Remember when Adam took a, a bite of the fruit? The enemy said, "You won't die." The devil, the devil, began to manipulate the situation, saying, "No, you won't die." But soon as, as soon as they took a bite, sin began to come forth, amen. And they went into guilt, fear, and hiding the same way we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Romans 3.10 says, there's no righteous one. There's no righteous one, not even one. What sin does or what sin do I do that causes people not to be around me? When I've noticed when I notice I do the things that cause to hurt God, it allowed me to change what I care about. Which causes changed lives, starting with man. I can remember, you know, I, I, I guilty, and, and, and if I could be, and if I could be honest with you, because here is the power of a saving, a risen Savior. That it doesn't matter what you've done, He's conquered the sin. He's conquered the sin. But I can remember that young man in, in Okinawa being tempted with sex. And then, you know, been in church all my life, raised in the church. And once you do that act and you're back in your room and you're alone and the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you, the guilt that comes over you because there's something also inside of you that wants to please God. Right? Right, right. When, when you know you've looked at that sight that you shouldn't have looked at, and way in the middle of the morning, the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you, that thing that's on the inside of you. Or you talk to your spouse the wrong way. That thing that's in all of us. That battle that goes on between the flesh and the spirit, the thing that is real, the sin that is alive in the world.
But until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a savior. Until you see yourself and say, yes, I did it, but I need a savior. I need someone that has conquered sin, death, and the grave to come into my life. Yeah, I'm not a bad person. God never said that. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the next thing I want to talk about, I had this conversation. Point number two is all sin is the same. Now, we, we've heard this. We've heard this. I think one of the biggest things we can do in the Christian world is we judge our way the level of sin out. You know, you, you had this many partners. Or, or, you know, I only had sex one time before I got married, but you had sex five times before you got married. We begin to weigh that. We begin to level. But just because I didn't do crack or I didn't do cocaine, that makes me better than you. Just because I didn't commit adultery or I had an affair, that makes me better than you. We begin to weigh it out, you know, uh uh-huh, yeah, I know, I knew you were like that to begin with. I knew what nothing, I knew you wasn't saved. I knew you were just playing around. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that? Uh, this past summer when we was doing a series, people were coming up telling, sharing their testimony about what God had did for them. There was some conversation about, well, that lady, you know, she's a whore, whatever she did is. Oh, the church, we, we the only one to kill her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, us, us church folks. Us Bible-toting, quoting folks, you know. <laughs> yeah, us, us. We begin to weigh that thing out because, you know, Steve, yeah, I, I'm not like you, man, Mr. Green back there, you know. Have you ever been judged? Come on, have, have you ever been judged? Have, have you ever been judged? Oh, yeah, we've we, we been judged. Oh, God, I thank you. Whew. I'm glad there's one more judge we got to stand before. It ain't got nothing to do with y'all. All right, amen. Hallelujah. You might even feel, who are you to judge me, right? I said, who are you to judge me? What am I doing isn't any worse. Sin is sin, right? God never said that. The Bible doesn't teach all sin is the same. Unforgiven sin leads to eternal death. And that's the difference. Unrepented sin is the difference. Because see, if you sin and you never repent and you never ask for forgiveness, that's what leads to death. For Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's the victory over the sin issue. Man, I was having a conversation with a young man a couple of weeks ago, and he was, he was through with his cancer treatment, 
And he said, I just want to share this with you. He said, because as I reflected on my life, I did the drugs, I did the alcohol, I did the, uh, the unprotected sex. And he said, now my sin, it's just taking a toll in my body. The, the, the life that I chose to live is taking a toll in this earthly body. For the wages of sin is death. Both physically and spiritually, if we really look at it, right? Because even in the garden, the, the, what, what, what Adam missed is when they fell from grace, our bodies began to decay because of sin. So there are consequences to sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I believe how we live influences, number one, consequences on earth, number two, rewards in heaven, and then punishment in hell. And we don't even talk about hell no more. Nobody's going to hell. Ew, ain't that good news? All right, no, no. There are some consequences if you don't repent from your sins. How we live influences consequences on earth. And, and you, many of you know my testimony and, I, and, I, and, and, and my, my struggle and the abuse that I suffered sexually and, and the torment that it caused not only me but my family. There was consequences to that. It was broken relationships that are still been mended by the grace of God. But I can remember I had my, I had my birth moment. From that conception to that birth, down in my basement, 406, 4601 Angershire Court, Waldorf, Maryland, in the midst of my bed, crying out to God. And I asked God, is my sin any worse than anybody else's sin? And you know what the Holy Spirit brought? He brought back the scripture to me. Where sin abound, grace did much more abound. So no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what the sin is, grace abounds. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is able to deliver from sin. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Shoplift, changing that, 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 a $100 pair of running shoes by switching the tags or the ticket price. Never did that. <laughs> From a person who is drunk and kills someone while driving, or someone who commits sin of gluttony. Oh, yeah. Smokes dope, clicks on that site on the internet. It all leads to one thing separation from God. Separation from God, which leads to death. Look at these scriptures. Luke 20, 47, it says, The Pharisees devour widows' houses, and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished more severely. Therefore, the one, John 19, 11, it says, Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Be talking about Jesus to Pilate. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, out of the New Living Translation, says, Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Mm. So does it matter what we do? Come on, talk back to me, church. Yes, it does. Because sin has consequences. The third thing is, since I've already done it, I might as well as keep on doing it. Now, yeah, that, that's the one I was caught up in. 
Yeah, that, 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 that's the one I was caught up in. Can I get a witness? <laughs> no, can I get a witness? Virginity, drugs, cheated, porn, what else? Just there's a list right there. We can go on and on and on and on. But Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And see, that's the change when, you, when you've been, uh, I'll get ready to go Baptist on y'all, all right, when you've been born again. When, 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 that, when, when something, when it clicks, when the Holy Spirit gets in you and you know you've been changed. You, you no longer the desire to do those things. It's, it's like a 180, 180 about face, about face. You turn, but I thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit to, to get inside of us and change our minds and our ability, just like the prodigal son. Y'all remember him, right? Got all of his money, went into a far land, spent all his money. He was so desperate, he began to eat pig slop. How many of y'all ever slopped hogs? I've slopped some hogs in my day. Believe it or not, this little city boy from Danville, Kentucky, I slopped some hogs. And the way that stuff smelled, to be in a position where you would think that you would rather eat the slop of pigs because sin has overtaken my life. It'll make you do things that you said you would never do. But thanks be to God. Spiritual maturity isn't about how much we know. It's how much we obey. Oh, write that one down because that's where the challenge comes in. Can I preach? All right, I feel my preach coming on. I feel my preach coming on. Spiritual maturity isn't about how much we know, it's how much we obey. That's where the challenge comes in. Because when the word of God comes and tells you, James, Morris, Hun, don't do that, I have an option. I can either obey or disobey. There's no, there's no in between. You either obey or disobey. When I gave an order in the military, they had an option. They had an option to obey or disobey, but if they disobeyed me, they were going to the brig. Same way, we disobey God, there's consequences to our sin. Oh, yeah. And I shared this early, Dr. Cole, Dr. Ed Cole, one of my mentors, maximized manhood in the 80s before promise keepers, one of his famous quotes was, an ounce of obedience is better than a pound of prayer. Because after you pray and you don't obey, all that prayer, you just nullified it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Amen, amen, amen. Because, see, that's the point. That's Because sin wants us to stay right there where we deceive ourselves. Sin wants you to stay there. I feel hot. <laughs> I'm getting hot, man. <laughs> Woo. Praise God. I'm sweating too, ain't I? Woo. But most Christians, most, most of us Christians, most of us Christians, we're well-educated, well beyond our level of obedience. 
We know so much more, but when, but when the push comes to shove, what it really matters is if you're going to obey God or not, or if I'm going to obey God. Most miserable people in the world are not non-Christians. It's Christians living in sin, been there. I was miserable when I did what I did, and that part of me was crying out to God, save me, this old wretched man that I am. Sin is progressive. It takes you to those places you thought you would never go. Porn grows. Stealing grows. Lies grows. Flirting grows. It hurts God. It hurts people. It hurts you. It kills intimacy. Dulls God's voice. And that's, that's the danger of sin. Oh, yeah, it does, it does the ability for us to hear God. Because in the cool of the morning, there were some footsteps in the garden. And they begin to hide. They begin to hide, but, 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 but there were some footsteps going through the garden, and then a voice went out and said, Adam, where are you? And that same voice is still saying, James, where are you? Jason, Anita, Andro, Megan, Dylan, where are you? But there is hope today. There is hope. Because Jesus is a friend of sinners. Isn't that good news? Come on, tell somebody that's good news. That's good news. That's good news. That is, who said that? That's great news, amen. He is a friend of sinners. I'm glad he hung out with the sinners. Oh, yeah. You remember the woman that was caught in the act of what? Adultery. You remember the woman at the well that had... She said, he asked, where's your husband at? She said, I don't have one. He said, oh, you done told the truth. You done had five of them. And the one you with ain't yours. So that, that, lady had, that, man, that lady has some man issues. And, and look at this. The, the, uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And oh man, this is, this is some good stuff. This is some good stuff. And God is faithful. Come on, y'all say, thank God for being faithful. Come on, say it. Say, tell your neighbor, thank God for being faithful. Woo! How many of y'all can celebrate a faithful God? Oh, yes. How many of us can celebrate a faithful God? Woo-wee. He is a faithful God. And this is, and Jeff shared this last week. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. So when temptation, we used to say back in the old church, back in the day, when temptation's coming your way, God's made a way for escape. Only thing you got to do is take it. 
So, so, so look at this. God is faithful to know that we're going to be tempted and we're going to be tried. But with every temptation, he also provides a way of escape. Remember Joseph? Y'all remember Joseph in the Bible when Potiphar's wife tried to get a hold of him? And y'all know what I mean when I say she wanted the man. She wanted him. Joseph must have been ripped. He must have been fine. As new wine, amen. He must have been fine because that woman lusted after him. Right? Y'all, y'all know the story. We keep it at 100, right? He got down in the pool. The lady got the rubbing on him. But what did he do? Did he stay there? Did he stay there? Come on, Bible scholars. Did he stay there? What did he do? He ran, right? He got to, sometimes you just got to run. <laughs> sometimes you just got to run. You got to get out of Dodge. Amen. Here's what I want you to understand. It doesn't matter what you've trapped in. It doesn't matter what you're trapped in. Doesn't matter how long you've been there. It doesn't matter if you think you'll never come out or overcome it. God always gives you a way out. Always. That is why he is so faithful. He always gives you a way out. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. Jesus is the way out. He's the way out. Jesus is the way out. He sets us free. How many of you glad you've been set free? He is a life that endures us forever. It's Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other God that can break every chain. There is no other God that can deliver from sin. Jesus is the answer. Some of us, some of us, we need to recognize you're trapped in it. You step out of your sin and you step into Jesus. Oh, how many of you are glad you stepped into Jesus? You stepped into his grace and out of the bondage. We're no longer slaves to fear and sin. We are children of the most high God who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I get an amen? How many of you glad you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light? It'll make you shout, won't it? All right, amen. Then put your little dance on it, all right? Little moonwalk, little funky chicken or something, you know. <laughs> I'm telling my age, I'm telling my age. You stepped into the love, the power, the transforming goodness of Jesus who can take a guy that was bound by, by lust and change and give him a new life. Or was bound by pornography or lust or sex sins or, or, or crack cocaine, but the power of his love and his grace can transform you into a new creature. Oh, the chemical level Tory of redemption, amen. Somehow it takes, oh, red blood and turn us whiter than snow. What a mighty God we serve. Woo, what a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. 
Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. This same God, you stepped into the love, the power, and the transforming goodness of Jesus. And when you do, you step out of this because there is always a way out. And I'm talking to someone right now who you realize and you thought you can't get out. You can do all things through who? Through who? Through James. Through Jason. Through Jaden. You can do all things through Christ because he is the way out. The reality is sin does, does cost us, but Jesus is bigger than our sin. Glory to God. We look at this verse clearly earlier. We looked at the verse in, and I want to look at that. We looked at that verse in uh, uh, St. John, or 1 John 1, 8 earlier. That if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And the, narrative, and the very next verse says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And what will he do? After that, 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us. The King James Version in that says, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, 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 Dr. Cole also had a quote that he used to say, say that beyond forgiveness, there is cleansing. We, we go and we get forgiven and we thank God for the stuff, but he wants to cleanse us. Beyond forgiveness, there is a cleansing power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus died and rose from the grave. For every believer, no matter what you're going through, if you surrender that to God, I am a living witness that he can cleanse you. And the things that you used to desire, the things that you used to desire, you won't even begin to desire no more. Can I get a witness? Maybe it was sex. Maybe it was lust. Maybe it was alcohol. I don't know what it is. Not putting it in no category. But we've been transformed. We've been transformed by the power of a risen Savior. He will always give you a way out. So when cultures say it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're not hurting anyone, we recognize that that is a satanic lie from the pit of hell. It matters what we do. And there are consequences of what we do. The sin, the, that sin that is the greatest in enemy to the intimacy with God and Jesus is the best friend of sinners. And that's why you're here today because we are all sinners and we all need his grace. We all need his grace. What I've done, what you've done, we all stand in need of his grace. And that song that they said, amazing grace. Have you experienced that amazing grace? How, how many of you have experienced and are so glad that you experienced the amazing grace of a Savior that saw how nasty and dirty I was, but he still called me by name? 
And he said, James, I know the plans that I have for you. And they are good plans. That sexual abuse, you know, sometimes I, it begins to fan, I can't even begin to fathom how I'm still in my right mind, but I know it's by the grace of God. And until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't know that you have a need for a Savior. And there are those of you who are going to recognize right now you need forgiveness. And please hear every word I say. You can't earn it. And you don't need to deserve it. None of us do. That's why the gospel is the good news. Because God came to us through Jesus. Jesus. Oh, man. Demons tremble at that name. At the name of Jesus, every chain falls. A friend of sinners hung out with the lowest of the low and the dirtiest of the dirty and the biggest of sinners of all, but he didn't leave them there. And I'm so glad he didn't leave us there. He became sin for us on the cross. Died and on the third day he rose again so that everyone who calls on his name would be saved. And quite honestly, that's why many of you are here today. You recognize it's not about religion. It's not about religion. It's not about works. It's about his love and his grace and you want it and you need it. How many of you want it? How many of you need it? Oh, yes, we, we need it, right? We need it. Oh, man, we need it. What do you do? You turn from your sins and say, Jesus, I trust you. Today, by faith, I surrender my life to you. I recognize I need a Savior. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and save me and make me new. Before I close, I just want to share one of my life scriptures. You go through Celebrate Recovery, you work the 12 steps, you come up with life scriptures. And in the midst of my pain and my despair, I begin to question my own salvation. When I had to look at the man in the mirror and realize I was the one who was in denial and I was the one who needed and was in need of the Savior. My life scripture, one of my life scriptures come out of 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. NIV says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who will believe in him and receive eternal life. Praise your Father in Jesus' name.